is absolutely amazing what we as a connect group and as a broader church community are able to achieve uh, within this room and within the uh, broader Ignite Life family uh, and, and, and letting just sort of, I think it's fair to say that as, as, as a connect group, we, we punch above our weight uh, in terms of releasing people, but also uh, releasing finances to missions, etc. Even though we are young, we are bold. And, uh, you know, you know we, we reach out to um, Uganda, as you've seen, Kenya, uh, Sri Lanka is on the, on the table, Myanmar, I believe, is also a small work in Thailand, uh, more broadly, um, Japan, we touch, um, the Philippines, uh, Indonesia, so that's, that's, that's a pretty broad range, and, uh, and I think, I think we, we, should, we should, you know, give God the glory for the opportunities that we've been given to make a difference all around the world. And uh, so I was having a think about this morning, really we're just going to expand a little bit on a section of Second Peter, and my, sub, my sort of subtitle or, or like is, is The Peter and Guide for the Upwardly Mobile. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, there was sort of this discussion of, you know, it's, it's quite a catchy title, you know, to be upwardly mobile, and you sort of attract people when you say upwardly mobile, because it's this idea that, and in a worldly sense, it's this idea that we are focused upwards, focused on career progression, focused on, you know, getting places, doing things, moving things. And I think it's kind of interesting for the Christian because we are ultimately upwardly mobile uh, if one considers that heaven is above where we currently are. <laughs> uh, I often said to people when I've been, I suppose, in leadership roles, I'm not actually super worried about where you are at the moment in terms of your positioning, but I am worried about your vector, your direction. Um, you know, you, you, everybody starts from somewhere, everybody starts in a place, and the point is to get the direction vector right so that when you move, you move in the correct way. Um, I've heard it spoken before about the idea of momentum, and I always thought it was very interesting when people talk about it. Like It's like, yeah, you gather momentum, and you gather steam, and you push forward, and you push forward, and you push forward. And, and a crucial factor of that is what direction are you gathering steam in? Because momentum is the kind of thing that like, you know, sustains you during that time. It gives you, you know, that, little, that little push along when, 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 uh, so that you just keep going, keep going, keep going, and it seems straightforward. You know, and, and the direction that you take is like the momentum that carries you over the finish line, or in the case of the Titanic, smacks you into a berg. <laughs> and so direction is very, very important. And we, uh, as, a, as, a, as a community, as a connect group, as a broader church community, are very, very interested in releasing people to become fully fulfilled. And part of that is getting the direction right, is getting input into their lives. And that reflects in, in pretty much everything that we do. Our Sunday discussion points our midweek um, uh, connect with uh, where we just started a fantastic new course, Spirit Wars by Chris Vallotton, that I believe over the next seven remaining of eight weeks is going to really uh, change some things in, in, this, uh, in this community, in this connect group, and I'm really, really excited for that. Um, but, you know, what does it mean to be effective and productive? I mean, effective is, is, you know, and, and I was thinking about that because, you know, you can, you can bring that back to your workplace. But really, it's more, it's broader than that. Being effective in your workplace is, is good, but to what end? Um, if it's just about receiving a paycheck at the end of the week, then 
if you know anything stands in the way of that, that's going to be a that's going to be a concern. Whereas if your effectiveness is actually about being effective is actually about living in the place that God has called you and operating the direction He has called you to operate in, then that is actually being truly effective and actually being truly productive. And so much flows out of that that's that's far more relevant than just striving to be effective because it's actually striving to have effectiveness for the right reasons. One of the common things Enzi and I often pray when we pray for people, when we pray about people, is that they would find their sweet spot. <laughs> um, and, and what that means is just simply that, uh, by and large, we deal with a large number of people who just seem to be flitting from one less than ideal situation to another less than ideal situation. And you just your heart is that they would just find their peace and their place in God. So they don't have to keep, you know, uh, sprinting from tragedy to tragedy to tragedy and would actually live in their sweet spot. So that's something that we often often think about. And, and so everything we do, I think, as a community and as a net troop is geared towards getting people to their sweet spot so they can be effective and start releasing other people into true relationship with God and getting into their sweet spot. And it's just a knock-on effect from there and from there and from there. And uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about that about what it means to be upwardly mobile from Second Peter. And uh, so, um, I, I've got my first slide. We're going to go, we're reading from Second uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 3. And uh, it's kind of cool, because what I'm doing is we have a conclusion of this, and, and effectively I'm starting with the conclusion first. You know, so, you know, if you can just take this down as a note, and we're done. No, 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 please keep listening. Please keep listening. <laughs> I haven't quite got to that self-esteem point where I'm confident just to stop there. <laughs> but... His divine power, His, that is God's divine power, has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. And this idea of being upwardly mobile is just that participation in the divine nature. And the reality is that God's divine power has given us everything we need for that through our knowledge of Him. And uh, I, I find that kind of fascinating. It's sort of what's the answer to being upwardly mobile? Well, you know, God has given us everything we need. So we walk in Him, and, and that's really the answer, and that's it in a nutshell. And we're going to go into that a little bit further, but I quite like how it just kind of puts it at the front. Well, actually, you know, if, if you're really serious about being effective for God... If you're really serious about living a life that reflects His glory, not our glory, then His divine power has already given you everything you need. Um, and, and sometimes it's just a question of becoming a little bit more aware of that. And I quite like that in a sense at all. And then he goes on in verse 5, and I think this is sort of the key point from verse 5 onwards. Um, oh, sorry. sorry, no, that's all right. I'm just, uh, uh, no, 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 that's all right. And then, I love this bit, it's like, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to your goodness knowledge, and to your knowledge self-control, and to your self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. And, and I started to think about this, I've been thinking about this quite a lot, and... Um, there's many ways of looking at it, but, but I wanted to have a look at where we start and where we finish and see whether it made sort of a, a sense to go 
in that path. For this very reason, to add to your faith, let's start with the idea that faith is the foundation. And at the end, near verse 7, to mutual affection, love, that love is sort of the end game. And how do these things build upon each other in that manner so that, that we might be effective and productive? For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith, goodness, to goodness, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. Now, because of the structure of this verse, having so many elements, makes it very difficult to make a five-point sermon out of it, because there's more than five elements. <laughs> so I've made a fundamental speaking error. But that's okay. It's worth it. It's the Bible. It's the inspired Word of God. I think we can handle a few extra points, hey? Sounds good. good. Okay, good-o. Good-o. <laughs> uh, I, just imagine, I can just imagine people having an argument with God. You know that verse in Peter? You know, if you just made that five, we would have been able to communicate that so more effectively. <laughs> Uh, we think that we know best. It's great. Faith, the foundation. Now we spoke about this uh, as one of the, uh, you know, as, as as one of the faithfulness in the context of the fruits of the spirit a couple of weeks back, and it's basically the same root word. And uh, you know, Romans three, that faith which justifies us. This forms the foundation, right? So we start from a position of faith, faith in Jesus Christ, faith that He died and rose again, and we are justified before God because of that faith. So this becomes a foundation point, right? If we're missing that, if we're missing faith, then I guess we're not really in the community of believers and that's something we need to address. But in reality, assuming that we start from a position of faith, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. And uh, I really wanted to try and understand what goodness was. Um, trying to, you know, because you know, it's just like, well, God is good. You know, how is that? Now, well, you know, God is infinitely good. And uh, in this context, we're talking about arate, which actually generally talks to uh, moral excellence, <laughs> uh, which, is, which is a tricky one, isn't it? Let's talk about a hard one. So to add to your faith, moral excellence, morality, gosh, that's not much fun, is it? It sounds like a big thing. It sounds like striving. It's simply saying, well, with your faith, then you have to be a good person and you have to hold your hands a certain way and you have to you know, not swear and not take a cookie from the cookie jar and do all of the sins that we like to rail against. And it becomes striving. I, I think in that respect it becomes striving. It's not so much about goodness. I, I love this, this picture that Dr. Rod talks about where... Um, let, let's, let's back up a little bit. Uh, I often have this, this comment in my world... Uh, you know, in and around work or outside of work or you know, where we're talking, how great would it be just to be like in the matrix where if you wanted to learn a particular skill set, right, you just install a program in your own mind and right, you can do Kung Fu or calculus or some sort of uh, great and wonderful thing that takes you know, whatever they say it does 10,000 hours to become an expert at, you could just install that. So let's start from the premise that maybe it takes 10,000 hours to get good at something. So maybe it takes 10,000 hours to get good at morality. To become, you know, if you could strive by your own effort, it would probably take you 10,000 hours to become good. And the reality is you would fall well short of that, as we well know in human history has demonstrated. But the reality is at the point of salvation, when we, and then when we have the Holy Spirit come and live inside us, 
it's like that matrix analogy where God's like his law, but his fulfilled law is downloaded into our lives and into our hearts and actually written on the very walls of our heart. So we start to know godly things inherently because, because he loves us and we are saved by him. And that, um, we'll talk about this probably, this probably I'm skipping ahead for the spirit wars this week, but you know, you're going to talk about this concept of people have this idea that they have to elevate their new man and, and, and denigrate their old man. You know, they, but the reality is that the old man is actually dead. <laughs> dead and buried, don't, don't worry about him. New man is where it's at. And so, like the Matrix, you know, our good, God's goodness gets written into our world. And, uh, and, and so, it's not necessarily so much about striving, but about getting to know Him. And in a manner, by getting to know Him, being able to relax into His goodness, that sustains us. And to goodness, knowledge. And uh, I was very interested in this one. Because, so, um, the, the, this particular word here is actually... Gnosis, uh, with a G. Gnosis with a G. And uh, this, um, there's really two parts to this. I love this idea. That, so, so, you know, you've got faith, which is the evidence of the things unseen. You understand that God is a good God and that, you know, his perfect will involves that, that, that goodness flowing through your life. And then you add to this knowledge. And, and it's very interesting because I think sometimes we shy away from the idea of uh, physically chasing knowledge of God in a manner. Um, and this stems a little bit from history. Uh, generally, in, in, in charismatic Pentecostal churches, there's, there's a little bit of a spirit of anti-intellectualism that says you should experience everything um, and not seek after knowledge. And, and in many respects, the early church struggled with this particular one, and they turned it into kind of a, a, um, a sect called Gnosticism from that word that elevated special knowledge and special revealed knowledge that was and, and caused all sorts of troubles the first couple of hundred years of the church. And so this is why it's interesting, this adds this next one, self-control. To knowledge, self-control, ecclesia. And that's the same word as the fruit of the Spirit, right? So knowledge without the control that comes from the fruit of the Spirit, I think, it's very easy to get a swelled head. From a swelled head, it's an easy step to say, well, I know stuff, therefore I'm good. Therefore I have something special, therefore I'm going to break off onto my own little little uh, little rowboat and, and, uh, and, and move away from the crowd. And I love this interplay between it, knowledge and self-control. Um, because the reality is, w- without the self-discipline and self-control to uh, temper knowledge, to temper when you use knowledge, to know that sometimes you can say something that's correct but destructive, um, that's, that's, a, that's a real skill. In fact, it's, it's not a human skill. It's kind of like a god kind of uh, the leading of the Holy Spirit that says, well, you know, actually, I know something about this, but, but maybe discretion is the better part of valor in this particular sense because it's not going to actually move people closer to God. And I think it's like knowledge without self-control leads to all of the problems of knowledge. Knowledge with self-control leads to uh, revelation, leads to the ability to talk and speak coherently to defend yourself when called upon but to be able to do it in a manner that doesn't put distance between people and God. And I think that's something, well, something I'm interested in, something probably I have to be very careful of. And, uh, and um, I'm not saying, you know, uh, it talks about, you know, Peter talks about increasing in all of these things. Right, I'm not saying I have this together by any stretch of the imagination, 
but I find it interesting and, and, and I point it to the directions that we should be moving, or at least that I should be moving personally, and uh, because I find it interesting and uh, I get to talk, um, I get to see if other people find it interesting too, and uh, that's, that's, that's how we get to here. To self-control, perseverance, and uh, this is an interesting one. Uh, I'm going to say this wrong, but this is the word. Hupomone. <laughs> Hupomone. Perseverance. And uh, actually, there's, there's one sort of pulling this apart. Actually, perseverance is like remain under. Sounds like a fascinating idea. And uh, I, I love that, remain under. Because you ever thought about it, something when you're persevering? It's like, say you're running somewhere. I mean, I don't, but say, for instance, hypothetically, <laughs> I was running. And that there's pain associated with that. But I know that there's a prize at the end of it all, so I remain under that pain to persevere to get to that prize. Maybe you're remaining under a situation where perhaps you don't have a lot of control, perhaps people are speaking into a world that aren't, you know, but you know that you've been called to that role, to that responsibility, and, and so you persevere, you remain under it. Now, I, um, I was actually looking at this a little bit earlier, um, and it's the same word that's used in Luke 8, 15, um, which is the end of the parable of the sower. Uh, it talks about, you know, just, we don't have a lot of time to go through it, but just to, to, to broadly summarize, it talks about how uh, scattering seeds, some fell on, on rocky ground, some fell amongst weeds, but some fell on good soil. And, and, uh, but the seed on the good soil, this is verse 15, the seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, by hupomone, produce a cop. Uh, produce a cop. Produce a crop. <laughs> right. So about, well, and, and this was like, you know, lights going on, ding, 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 ding. See, it's hear the word, retain it. We've all heard the word, retain it. Sometimes that's difficult, depending on how early we had to get up that morning. Hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. So what's the goal here? The goal is the production of a crop. That crop represents the expansion of the kingdom of God. That crop represents uh, success in, in business or in work so that you can be a blessing to others. That crop represents God's call on your life and walking and stepping into that in an effective and productive manner. And, and so what happens is, is that, that and, and in this parable we're talking about this idea that it's hearing it, retaining it, and persevering with it that produces the crop. And, and if we faulted any one of those, um, either in the hearing, not being here to hear, so to speak, uh, in the retention thereof, or in persevering with it, we're producing a crop. Now, I'm not talking about salvation. I'm not talking about striving to obtain salvation. That is not what we're about in any stretch of the imagination. But, but moving beyond that to, you know, moving beyond that to actually a place where you know, we want to be effective as, as Christians. We want to be effective in sharing the message of the gospel. And, and, and I think this is something we're all called to, and it's something we as a church, as I said previously, are very big on. Very, very big on. So perseverance. And perseverance, godliness. And um, I, I love this kind of thing, as uh, Eusebia, godliness. I was like, well, how is that difference to goodness? God is good. Godliness, goodliness, 
tricky one. And I, I quite like the interpretation I found for this particular thing. Uh, it talks about how godliness is just like having a God heart response. Like, wow, that's pretty cool. Because I know what a man heart response feels like when you, you, know, you get angry or, or, or frustrated. Like, I'm pretty good at working out, uh, working out what a man heart response feels like or, 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 or a, uh, like a human, human heart response versus a, a God heart response. Um, and I like this one. Uh, so in this same, um, this same word crops up in a verse I was reading, uh, kind of, I should become something like a little bit of a motto of mine, but, uh, um, you know, I, um, prob- some of you who know me very well that um, I either don't exercise or don't like talking about exercise, um, in, in a sense. And uh, then, I, so I, when I found this verse in, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, um, I, was, uh, I was pretty much overjoyed. So 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. For physical training is of little value. <laughs> and we can stop there. No, no, no. <laughs> For physical training is of little value, but godliness, same words, is subia, has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Physical training is of little value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for the, both the present life and the life to come. Now, I imagine that's probably challenging, and we're not a church that's going to lord it over people in a particular way. So if you feel that you know, for physical training is some value, some of you are sitting here going, actually, that, that, that doesn't quite resonate with me, particularly well, physical training is of little value. I spend a lot of time at the gym. I do that thing. And, 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 and um, so, you know, is it a fair question? Some, some people would find that maybe a little difficult to accept. Yeah? Is that true? Yeah. Because Paul goes on in verse 9 to go, this is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, everybody. I kind of set that little bear trap up just to... <laughs> All right. Let's go. Uh, okay. Please understand my heart. I'm having a little bit of fun here. Right? Okay. I spent a lot of people talking to my world about you know doing all sorts of physical activity, and this was the first time I'd sort of found sort of a something in the Bible that maybe I could have a little bit of fun with those people. All right. Okay. Is physical training a bad thing? Absolutely not, because it doesn't say it's detrimental. It says it's profitable. Right? It's a good thing. Absolutely. A good thing, and I apologise if I sort of, if you feel like I've just sort of led you into a trap and then, you know, <coughs> whacked you over the head with a big leather-bound copy of the Bible. Right? I was only doing that for just to kind of make a point. Physical training is fine, but what I maybe take exception with is when uh, physical training profits little, godliness profits much. How much time do we put into the physical, into our own world? Uh, endless hours pursuing physical perfection in front of a mirror or, or something along those lines. And, and, and I'm not trying to, you know, beat anyone over the head about this. I've just, I've been into gyms and around gyms and thought, wow, this is just this something a little bit, little, little warped in the way that some people approach this kind of thing. And, and for the Christian, the balance has to be between the physical training and godliness. Because the profit of physical training is little and there is a profit. But the profit of seeking godliness is much and holds premise 
say you train physically, it's a good thing because it's going to give you a benefit for this life. But if you train in godliness, it's not just a whole of life benefit. It's an eternal life benefit. And you need to weigh these things. We need to, well, not you, we need to weigh these things in our lives in that kind of balance. And that's all that, to, all that they're basically saying in this saying, is that there is profit from this, but where it gets out of whack, where it gets distorted, is when this becomes the box of things that are most important to us. And, and, we, and it overshadows the quest, I suppose, the amount of time that we put into the physicality is, is, is perhaps swamps the time that we spend with God seeking a God, a God response. Right, and physical training gets out of whack because, in, in you know, when when our man, when our human heart response becomes much, 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 much larger than our God heart response, which is the point of pursuing godliness, perseverance, godliness to godliness, mutual affection. This one I actually know without having to look it up. It's called Philadelphia, uh, and it's from the philo. Philo is a love, kind of like a a, a, a family love or a love between siblings. Uh, Philadelphia, sort of actually brotherly love, mutual affection, sisterly love. The um, so having gained goodness, a little bit of knowledge, the self-control not to be annoying with that knowledge, the perseverance to stick it through. Sometimes when things are a little bit tough, um, and kind of a God heart response instead of a man heart response, mutual affection which simply means that we can get along with people. <laughs> right? If you ever had to do anything to do with the church, you know that like 99% of it is just getting along with people. It's actually not doing things to get them offside, either through maybe a man-heart response, human-heart response, um, through being ignorant, through not having a self-control, to sometimes temper the harsh things that come into your mind, um, or through just giving up on people through a lack of perseverance. Right, so all of these little building blocks, we're actually able to fully engage with people in a, in a Philadelphia kind of way. And uh, it's not to, to denigrate that, but it's like it's a kind of love that allows you to get along, um, that, that creates, I guess, a sense of cohesion. And, and so in all of this building up to love, as we say. Um, just sorry, crashing back to Philadelphia for a moment, Romans 12.10. Be devoted to one another in love, honouring, and that love is Philadelphia, honouring one another above yourselves. Mm, and you can see how all of these little, little and, and maybe, maybe it's not a strict order, but all of these little elements can build upon one another in increasing measure, to point you in the right direction for that kind of Philadelphia mutual affection, uh, community love amongst brothers and sisters. And, uh, but all of this ultimately points to, mutual affection is, is nice, all of this points to love, agape. And this love is, is what I like to call love with a capital L. <laughs> uh, it's the kind of love when we talk about agape love, the context of it is usually in the context of God's love for us. 
complete selfless love, even to the point of sacrificing that which you hold nearest and dearest for the purposes of community, out of love for humanity. It's God's perfect love for us. It's the love, as we said a couple of weeks ago, 1 Corinthians 13, that uh, you always hear at a wedding. And so, having gained all of these things, being able to get along in community, the next step beyond that is to actually see the members of that community, how God sees them. Agape love, it's a hard one. I, I don't... To be honest, I'm actually really struggling with, with how close to that kind of love we can actually get as humans because it, is, it, is, it appears so much higher than us. We can only really truly see it demonstrated in, the death, in, in God sending his, self, sending his Son to die for us and he rose again so that we might have eternal life with him. But we have that as something to look at, as a model. And whether we can or can't exercise that love all the time, that type of love, we see that as an ultimate, as a full expression of who God is. When it says God is love, teo agape, yes. And looking to that, that's what we're going for. That's where we want to be. Not just to have, I guess, there's nothing wrong with mutual affection. It allows us to work together cohesively as a team. But to actually go one step beyond that to say, you know, greater love hath no man than this that he would lay down his life for his friends. Um, I used to watch Yes Minister. And they have like a slight variation on that that talks about politics. This is greater love hath no man than this that he would lay down his friends for his life. <laughs> um, and so I, I was very excited about this because I see the upward vector of interesting from a basis of faith getting towards the kind of love that God showed us for humanity. Along the way, all of these things that help us and build us to operate in community, to love God and to love those around us, love our neighbors as ourselves. So I'm going to go to the end, to the next slide, and then back to that one because I, th- I think it's important. 2 Peter, 8, 2 Peter 1, verse 8, sorry. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, right? It doesn't mean you have to have them all. You have to tick them off on, your, on, the, on the box, right? It just simply says that being aware of these qualities, increase, <laughs> you know? Get, get, get into God, get into the things that are going to build up these qualities in your life. Associate with the things that are going to build up these things, these qualities with your life, which is, you know, maybe, maybe we're keeping that as an academic exercise. But I think you want to see these things, you want to build in these things, start hanging around people that, that, that maybe you identify as having some of these qualities. Uh, start getting into to God's Word to reveal these qualities. You know, there's great books on all of these topics. We probably do endless sermons on each of them individually, but, but for the purposes of, of keeping it coherent, Today, we, we just touch on a few little things. Um, be in community, you know. Uh, you want to learn how to be uh, brotherly effective in community? You have to be in a community. Um, you have to hang around people and realize that sometimes you, you have a lot more perseverance and, and self-control than, than you would otherwise um, 
you know, you otherwise thought you had, just because people push your buttons. <laughs> um, and, 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 but if you possess these things in increasing measure, what is the next statement? They will keep you from being un, sorry, ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So knowing God, sharing that, living a fully fulfilled Christian life, as, as, as Dr. Rod would, would allude to as being the goal here. These are the qualities that get in the way of us snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. <laughs> of living lives that will end in eternal life. But for, for me, the confidence is not in ending in eternal life. I mean, I, I, I'm confident of that. The, the concern is not eternal life. The concern is a wasted life. Um, you know, I know God and I'm thankful for his sacrifice and I have faith that his son died and rose again so that I might have life with him. I've been filled by his Holy Spirit and now I've got to get on with the business of getting on with God's business. (laughs) Um, Because otherwise it's a wasted life. I can't afford that. (laughs) So if we were to reread uh, verse 5 um, with, with just some pointers that I've come through. What do I need to be effective and productive? We need to grow continually from a foundation of faith in Christ that justifies us before God. We increase in our capacity to live to God's moral standards that have been downloaded into our hearts. We pursue knowledge and the practical application of the things of God. We take the theoretical knowledge and we practically apply it in God with the ability to exercise self-control which tempers us from extremes, right? Becoming extremely boring or extremely weird. (laughs) Sure, there's more extremes than that, but they're the two I'd I'd be most worried about. Perseverance sees us through the difficult times, remaining under God, remaining under God. Is that worthy? Even when he feels very far away. Developing a God heart response rather than a me heart response helps us to find that one's notes have gone off the page. Yep. Let's just go back. Developing a God heart response rather than me helps response helps us. I'll put the rest of that statement on Facebook. That's bad. It's good fun. Also inspires us when we have to rely on our notes. And then from there, growing in philo, family love for each other, and ultimately trying to understand and capture some of the agape love that God has, not just for us, but for humanity and the church. And we as brothers and sisters within that. So, as I said, you know, what's the upshot of all of this? 
upshot was right at the beginning. God has given us all of the tools for us to live in that divine purpose. And we have practical ways that we can increase in these things, but I think one of the first steps is being aware of it. Being aware how the building blocks of these things in Second Peter, as we spoke of a couple of weeks ago, looking at, looking at things through the what fruit does this produce and how does this line up with the fruits of the Spirit and the desirable fruits in our lives. And um, from that, I think we actually start to move towards the goal of, of not just uh, salvation, but, but or not so much move towards the goal of salvation, having passed the goal of salvation, we start to move towards the goal of being effective and actually seeing the kingdom of God brought to other people's lives and expanded on earth. Mm. And that is very much what we are about. I'm going to close uh, just quickly in prayer. God, we, we, we thank you that you are not a God that hides things from us, uh, that you are about revealing, are about examining, about showing us how we can live in our sweet spot, not just floating through life or, or, or stumbling from tragedy to tragedy, but actually living in your divine purpose. God, we just pray that, that these qualities mentioned in this verse would be increasing in us. Would be, and that you would show us strategies so that we can increase in each of these areas so that we might become effective and productive members of your body. In your precious name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Good. 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 Good.